It's very good to be with you, continuing into our teaching series, which is called Signs, Signs of the Kingdom. Just to mention a couple of days ago, you might not be aware of this, that King's Church Eastbourne and Seaford is part of a family of churches. Uh, The big family name is New Frontiers. Uh, The kind of like the smaller family group that we belong to is one called New Grounds. For a number of years, New Frontiers, uh, kind of like the the clans, the tribes, the family groups, haven't got together. Uh, We got together for the first time in probably about six years the other day. I just want to mention that to you uh, because it's important for you to know, but also important for you to understand what we were doing. We were gathering together to be praying for this nation. So there was about four or five hundred church leaders across the UK who gathered together because I don't know whether you have noticed this, but my feeling is that there is no greater time for us to be praying for the nation than right now. There's more fear, there's more uncertainty, there's more confusion, there's more anger than I've ever seen or experienced before. And so for us to be praying for this nation and for us to be crying out to God to bring revival to this nation, a spiritual awakening to, to rise the temperature, people come to know Jesus, to be praying for that, that is so crucial and important. How many people have been praying for revival for decades? Look at that, 10, 20, 30, 40 50 plus years, some of you have been crying, God, we, we're praying for revival. And it, do you know what? It seems as if it's getting darker. doesn't seem to be getting lighter. And that can lead us to feeling disheartened, discouraged. Why are we praying? God, we've been praying. It's like there's a famine. It feels like the famine is getting worse. Some of you will be feeling disillusioned and weary because you've been praying a long time and It ain't looking any better. Let me just tell you a story. At the prayer event on Wednesday, there was a lady there called Ginny. Ginny is actually very well respected in New Frontiers circles. She is a lady who really hears from God, and when she hears and she speaks, people listen. A prophet. And she's been crying out to God for revival for a long time. And there's been a number of occasions where she felt as if the Lord had given to her kind of a map of the UK. uh, With little pinpricks of lights that were coming through and increasing number. And you can imagine that just the image of the UK just being lit up by these little lights. And it's almost like how when there were Victory in uh, Europe celebrations happened a few years ago. And the Queen's Jubilee happened a few years ago. And they were lighting the beacons around the land. It was on those occasions she felt as if God was saying, and this is what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be lighting up the beacons across the nation. And so that has been fueling her in her prayers. But recently she was saying, God, I've been praying for this and nothing is happening. Please, can you encourage me? Uh, the following weekend she was at at her church in Sheffield and hopefully um, being faithful in this story is that she was at her church in Sheffield when uh, during the worship time uh, one of the welcome team came up to her tapped on the shoulder and said Ginny there's someone who is inquiring about you out into the foyer she got up she went out into the foyer and there was someone that says ah I've been sent to speak to you been sent there was a man there 
that day he had woken up and he felt as if God said to him, I want you to go to Sheffield. So he drove to Sheffield. And then when he got in Sheffield, he felt the Lord say to him, I want you to go to a church, which I'll show you. He said, which church? I will show you. So he arrived in Sheffield, parked up, got out and was led by God past all these other churches to go to this one church. And when you go to this church, you, you to ask for this lady. And that's what he did. He asked for this lady. And so the welcome team went and got the lady, Ginny, into the foyer and said, I just believe God has sent me to you to say, to tell you what my job is. Said, my job is this. I am on the steering committee for all those events that have celebrated over the years the victory in Europe and also the Queen's Jubilee when we were lighting beacons across the land and the Lord wants to remind you that he hasn't forgotten. Isn't that amazing? Doesn't that do you good when you hear stories like that? Because God is good, God is faithful, God knows what he's doing and he's going to continue to do what we're hoping for and that is to bring a revival in this country, a spiritual awakening, an enthusiasm, a passion once again for God. In a world, in a world where it looks like there's greater famine, greater hostility, where secularists are trying to erase Christianity out of any position of influence, God is in control. And God has not forgotten. And I needed to go along to this event to be reminded of this, so that I can stand up and in faith to be able to declare to us this morning that God is good, God is faithful, God has not forgotten, and God is going to be bringing his revival because he has promised it. We want the kingdom of God to come. The signs. Signs. God, we pray. Our Father in heaven. Let your will be done. Let your kingdom come. On earth, just like it is in heaven. Give us a little taster, a a taste, just a taster of what it's going to be like. No, we're not there. It's, It's... huge tension of the now and the not yet. Uh, Steve, while we were praying this morning, he said, I want more of the not yet now. I I want more of what is to come. And and if you've walked in here today feeling guilty and ashamed, or if you've walked in here feeling sad and downhearted, if you've walked in here today feeling uh, sick and ill, if you've walked in here today feeling lacking in freedom, and if you leave in the same state, then the kingdom of God hasn't impacted your life. We want to see the kingdom of God because signs of the kingdom is one that brings joy, one that brings peace, one that brings freedom, one that brings deliverance, one that brings comfort, one that brings salvation. If you don't know Jesus, I love the fact that you're here today. You are so incredibly welcome. You are exploring spirituality. Please, I I hope that you stick in long enough for us to be able to introduce you to Jesus. That's what we'd love to do. But the signs of the kingdom is one of healing. And we want people to be feeling less anxious, less fearful, less guilty, less sad, less angry, and less ill as a result of being here today. And do you know what? I don't just want it for the people here today. I want the people who are in Dunelm and B&Q and Halfords and this community in which we're in. 
because I want them to experience and taste and, and to flavour something of the goodness of God. His kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Do you agree? And so we need to pray. I came back from Wednesday and we just gathered a few people together on Thursday evening and, and God, we just need to pray. And it's like 16, 17 of us in a, in a house with a vista overlooking Eastbourne and just, God, please come. God, please come. We're praying for this town. We're praying for this community. We're praying for revival. And, and the words were coming and the faith was rising in the room and the desperation in terms of crying out to God to see a difference in the community in which we're living in. And I just believe that for the spiritual temperature to rise in the town of Eastbourne, my encouragement is for the spiritual temperature to rise within us first. I was never one for history at school. 90 years ago, a significant thing happened in Eastbourne. Some of you were still alive. You may not remember it. But that's when a gentleman called George Jeffries came to town. He was kind of like the big celebrity name of the day. And uh, he had become a Christian as a result of something called the 1904 Welsh Revival. He had found faith in God. And he became a preacher and he came to the town of Eastbourne. And this was the report. The mission started out at the pier for three days in the ballroom. But there was such a response that it was moved to the Winter Gardens and was held for a further week. This was continued for a further two weeks at a large tent placed behind the Royal Sussex Crescent in Old Town. It was reported that over 1,000 conversions, together with many healings and miracles, it caught the attention of the national press, with a lady of renown was miraculously healed of an eye condition and no longer needed spectacles. First-hand witnesses report people being taken out of wheelchairs and the lame were walking. A lorry was parked outside the winter gardens, filled with crutches and wheelchairs that had been thrown away because people had been healed. Do we want to see more of the not yet now? It wasn't that long ago that a young man, 22 years of age, went to bed one night, an atheist, woke up a Christian because God met him in a dream and became a member of this church shortly afterwards. I want to see more of the not yet now. Last week there was a lady in, in, in our Seaford church who was in excruciating pain because of kidney stones. And she, in, in a desperation, cried out to God, please, will you heal me? She realized she woke up the following day completely pain-free, completely gone. Canceled appointments with the hospital to remove these because seven days on, she's still completely pain-free. More of the kingdom, not yet, now. Then there's a the story of Marigold Man. You, may say, you might say, who's Marigold Man? Well, a member of our church was uh, chefing in a restaurant, local restaurant, and he noticed there was a man who was washing up wearing marigolds. And he said, I see that you're washing up wearing marigolds. That was just one of those general knowledge words. Marigold man. And he said, why do you wear marigolds? You know, it's like, well, because I've got eczema and it, it, it irritates my skin when I put it into here. I'm a Christian. Can I pray for you? Well, I'm an atheist, but you can still pray for me. Well, we pray for him. Jesus, I pray that you heal marigold man right now. I don't know if you called him marigold man. That is 
that was me telling the story. And he prayed, and, and then you know, kind of like nothing happened. A week later, can you pray for Marigold Man again? Pray for him. Can I pray for you? Yes, okay. It was a little while later that he noticed that Marigold Man was no longer wearing marigolds when washing up. And so he said to him, this atheist man, why are you no longer wearing your marigolds? And he said, because your Jesus has healed me. Don't we want to see more of his kingdom than not yet now? Looking out a few nights ago at Alpha, I hear stories coming back, people being prayed for, words of knowledge being given, people responding to them, people saying, my, my eyesight is significantly improved and changed. More than not yet now, Lord. Because we want to see more people healed. It's a big deal. There's some church streams and traditions that have just said there's no such thing as healing. It died out kind of like with the early believers, one end of the spectrum. There's another end of the spectrum that say absolutely everyone is healed now. You just need to understand and accept that by his stripes. You have been healed right now. It's as if there's nothing, as if there's everything. I kind of hold a ground that says, you know what, I believe in the, I want to see it now. I believe that it will happen one day, just not yet. But I do want to see more of the kingdom of God breaking into people's lives. And so I know personally that I have to grow in my faith. I have to grow in my expectation. This morning, a lot of words coming through about having faith, having expectation. We need to grow within that. Why is healing important? Well, for the Christian, it's like, hey, here's proof that... (laughs) We're not just making it up and God exists. To the non-Christian, it's really important because they want to get well again. The physical pain. Some of you know what physical pain is like. The discomfort, how it limits life. Illness, the disability. It's cruciating. Some of you know what that physical pain is like. Some of you know what the emotional pain that is attached to it is like. You looking on to see a family member who is so struggling. Or you being the one in pain, seeing your family members having to look on. Not wanting to be a burden to them. One of the chief arguments that people use about euthanasia, ending life and dying in dignity, is about I no longer want to be a burden on people. As an aside here, I believe that we're interdependent and it's a privilege to be looking after and caring for people even in those moments. But the physical pain, the emotional pain on you or on family members, the loss, the sadness, the cruelty, the burden that you feel, the, the psychological pain, that sense of loss of dignity. No longer able to go to the toilet without someone taking you to the toilet. No longer being able to shave because you need to have a nurse who now shaves you. That, that sense of loss of dignity, the psychological kind of impact that that has, losing that independence. And then there's the spiritual pain as well. What if? Or what's next? Or the fear of the unknown. Some of you have walked down that journey. Some of you have walked it down with other people. 
it wasn't that long ago, there was a lady in this church who was a very capable, very able individual who was struck with a terrible illness called motor neuron disease. And from someone who was completely fit and healthy and active within a very short period of time became completely inactive and unable to do anything for herself. And I remember visiting her 12 hours before she died. And you could see that she was, she was a lady who'd come to faith only months earlier than that. She was still struggling, not just with the physical pain. You could see the, the emotion, the sadness, the, 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 the psychological pain that she was going through. The, the fear of not being able to swallow, of choking. You could see that, and we were just praying for We We, we continued to pray for the miracle. Uh, the Lord took her the following day. Why is healing so good? Talk to anyone in that situation and they will let you know how good healing is. Because it removes the pain. It relieves heartache. It, it restores possibility. It resuscitates faith. Points people towards a better place. And if that is on offer, <laughs> if that is what is on offer, wouldn't you want to take it? Wouldn't you want to grab hold of that? A couple of stories hit the newspapers in recent days and recent weeks about little children. First, all, uh, first one about a, a six-year-old called Bradley Lowry. Many of you know the story. You follow the story. Sadly, he died a couple of days ago. Hit the national newspaper headlines. And then what about little 11-month-old Charlie Gard? Mum and dad doing everything, everything that they can just to try and get the medical help that might just rescue or save him. Appeals have gone out and the Pope and President Trump and others have got involved in offering the support because they're desperate, they're willing to do anything. And wouldn't you do that? However British and reserved we might be at times, I reckon we would step beyond some of those reservations because it doesn't matter because what we want, Jesus or God or whoever, right now we need to have a cure. Any hope that we have. I want to look at two stories. Two Jesus stories now. And one of those stories involved a little boy, like a Bradley. So Jesus came again to Cana in Galilee. So he's in John chapter 4, where he had made uh, water into wine. And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. And when the man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Well, the official said to him, sir, come down before my son dies. He, Look, he's got, look I, I don't really care about the politics of what is going on right now. What I really need to see is, is, is my son get well again. That is what is most important. And the official said to him, Sir, come down before my son dies. And Jesus said, Go, your son will live. And the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. And as he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son, he was recovering. And so he asked them the hour when he began to get better, and they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, for the fever left him. And the father knew that that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. 
And he himself believed in all his household. And this is now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. Chapter 5. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. And in these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a very long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? And the sick man said, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. The indication of that, and other translations include this, to say that this water bubbled up and there was a belief if you got into the water first, then you would get healed. And there's no one there to put me into the water. I always miss out. And Jesus said, get up, take up your bed and walk. At once. Wow. The man was healed. He took up his bed and he walked. Now that day, it was a Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man, it is a Sabbath. And it's not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, the man who healed me, the man who said, take up your bed and walk. And, and they asked him, who is this man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Now the man who'd been healed didn't know who he was, for Jesus had withdrawn. And as there was the crowd in the place, and afterwards Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you are well, sin no more, that nothing worse will happen to you. And the man went away and told the Jews, it was Jesus who had healed him. This is why the Jews were persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I am working. (laughs) Two two remarkable accounts. So many stories in the the, the four biographies of Jesus, uh, written by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. 31 different stories of different individuals being healed by Jesus. That's 31 plus family members, plus the friends, plus the communities, all directly impacted as a result. And then there's at least 20 other occasions that Jesus healed many or all of the people that came to him. At times, people approached him, deaf people, blind people, and other times, he approached them. Uh, They reached out to him and he reached out to them. A number of occasions, this awful skin uh, illness of, of leprosy, how Jesus intentionally reached out and connected with people with the illness and disease. Often Jesus would heal close up, like the man at the pool. And sometimes he did it from a distance. Go, your son will live. And sometimes he, the healing was gradual. Some was recovering and sometimes it was immediate at once he was healed. And sometimes Jesus didn't heal at all. Sitting around the pool, there was a whole lot of people who were ill and invalids and blind and lame and paralyzed. And sometimes people had enough faith, the man believed, and sometimes they had no faith at all. He had no idea who Jesus was. Matthew 14, Jesus said they had little faith. In Matthew 15, they had great faith. In Mark 6, Jesus said they lacked faith. On occasions, individuals and households believed and followed Jesus. And at other times, people simply walked away. The story of ten men with leprosy. Jesus sent them on the way to go and present themselves to the priests. On the way, it says, that they were healed. 
How many came back to see Jesus? Just the one. And he wasn't a Jew, he was a Samaritan. Just the one came back. And Jesus said, where's the, where's the other nine? So they just got on with their life. And often we simply don't know what happened post-healing. So there's no real pattern. As to Jesus, how he went about healing, many amazing stories of lives that were totally changed. A little bit of heaven touching earth. I just love, I love this about Jesus. I love how he removed the pain. Like the woman who reached out, touched his cloak and this blood issue disorder that she had just completely healed. I love how Jesus relieved heartache and handed little boys back to broken-hearted daddies. I love how he restored dignity, like the man who was carried on a bed in front of Jesus and they couldn't get to Jesus, so they climb on a roof and lower him down. And he restored that man and he stood up and he walked out of that place. And I love how Jesus just restores possibilities. 38 years an invalid and crippled. If I was a parent, I want to be near Jesus. Jesus healed a lot. It's a sign of the kingdom. This new kingdom, zero sickness, zero illness, zero death. It's a little bit of taste of what heaven is going to be like. That's the hope, that's the future, that's the promise. But we want a little bit of that now. (laughs) More of the not yet now. I want more of this. And yet there's a tension. Within myself, God, I want to see more, but inside sometimes I wrestle with this. Let me illustrate that. I'm a season ticket holder for Brighton and Hove Albion, the Seagulls. We're on our way to the Premiership, on our way. August the 12th, Manchester City at home. Inwardly or outwardly, I am hopeful. Inwardly, I'm preparing for humiliation. And often when I come to be praying for people, Outwardly, I'm going, God, you can do this. Inwardly, I'm going, I'm preparing for people why God doesn't always heal people. Managing their expectations. And I know that I need to grow in this. (laughs) I need to overcome some of the barriers, some of the hurdles. Because some of those limitations are the limitations that I have put in place. Uh, We used to have a dog. And when this dog was little, a puppy, that's what. (laughs) When this dog was a puppy... Uh, we used to have a barrier for the puppy, which was only about nine or ten inches high. And, and, and the puppy would, would, would try to climb on it, couldn't get over. And so just, in the end, gave up trying to get over the barrier. When the puppy grew up, this puppy could just do this, but didn't. Because it lived within the conditioning to think there's no way that I can get over that hurdle. I need to grow. I need to look at what are those hurdles that I need to step over, that I am putting in the way for me believing and seeing what God can do. Because my God is able to do far more than I can ever hope or ever imagine. I want to grow in this. See, there is a tension of the now and the not yet. Because if we want everything now, everyone can be healed right now, right now. It can get a little bit presumptuous, a bit demanding. Your word says this God, so come and heal. But similarly, it can be dangerous if we have a not yet emphasis because we get pessimistic, we get defeatist if it's God's will. How do we handle this? Well, partly we can handle it by persevering faith. Let's keep going. Let's keep praying. Let's keep believing. 
Let's come back to Marigold Man and, and pray for him again. Let's continue to pray. But, you've got, but isn't persevering, isn't keep asking God for the same thing, isn't that lacking faith? Jesus helpfully told us a story. Luke 18, it's called a parable. Parables are kind of like simple stories. And this simple story was of a persistent widow who kept nagging the judge until the judge relented and gave in and gave everything that she wanted. Jesus told this story to say, look, you can come towards God and keep asking, you can keep asking, you can keep asking. And like the judge, things change. So persevere in our faith, but also be optimistic in our realism. Optimistic realism. When people say to me sometimes, oh, I'm, you know, I'm a realist. It can be kind of quite life-draining, faith-sapping. I chatted to someone a little while back in the church here. And they've probably forgotten he said this. But they, but they said this to me. They said, oh, I know in Jesus and all this faith stuff, but I live in the real world. I mean, as if the real world couldn't include Jesus and all this faith and stuff. Yeah, some of you have heard of uh, a great missionary who went to China called Hudson Taylor. A remarkable chap. I'm reading a bit of a, an autobiography of pre him going to China. It's fascinating. And he wanted to go out to China, went to visit a, a, a vicar, and the vicar asked him, how do you propose to go to China? This is when he was about 18, 19 years of age. And he said, well, I answered, I did not know, but it seemed probable that I should go as the 12 and the 70 had done in Judea without purse or scrip, relying on him who had called me to supply all my need. Kindly placing his hand upon my shoulder, the minister replied, ah, my boy, as you grow older, you will get wiser than that. Such an idea would do very well in the days when Christ himself was on earth, but not now. (laughs) And Hudson Taylor said this, I have grown older since then, but not wiser. I don't want to lose my optimism in that God is able to do more than what I can ever dream or imagine. He is the one who is totally able. And at the same time, I'm going to live in the reality and the realism of what is taking place. Have I been healed? No, not yet. I'm going to keep on believing that I am going to be healed. And one day I'm going to step into that healing. By the way, I do believe that. I do believe that, that one day... Anyone in Christ will be healed. For me, it's just a case of timing of when that is going to take place. But my dependency on God, this is the key. It's not faith and faith in me. It's not faith and faith in my own faith. Ultimately, it's my faith in the Father who can do this. It's faith in the Heavenly Father. Jesus said this, when you come to pray, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, Our father, our dad, our dad without limits. He's like our earthly dad, but without any of the earthly limitations. He has all the power, all the authority, all of the ability. When you pray, pray to your heavenly father, who's like an earthly dad, but without any earthly limitations, and pray that his kingdom and his will will be done on earth just like it is in heaven. That's what we're praying for. But it's our father in heaven. And so our faith, our faith is then a continual expectation of an ongoing encounter with a good, loving, generous father. It's not a faith in a higher power, but in faith in a biblical, heavenly dad. I need to grow in that. 
When I read through these stories of Jesus, don't you just see the compassion? Don't you just see the kindness? Oh, I wish I had a part of Jesus' compassion and mercy and kindness. A couple of things. Jesus often healed in the ordinary every day. Whoever came along his path, he would pray. And sometimes, secondly, he deliberately went out of his way and intentionally found people, like the man at the pool in John chapter 5 and the woman at the well in John chapter 4. Everyday circumstances, ordinary moments, in the supermarket, at the doctors, we don't have to go searching very hard for our marigold moments. Peter and John, they went to pray. They met a lame man along the way. He held out his palms and asked them for arms, and this is what Peter did say. Silver and gold. Don't have that. But what of God in the name of Jesus be healed and a man gets up and walks and praises and leaps and enjoys the healing because it's an everyday, ordinary encounter. The people we come across, the people we walk by, the people we sit next to, the people we travel with, the people with the marigolds on their hands. (laughs) Do we want a divine encounter? We just need to open our eyes because divine encounters are everywhere. But secondly, we need to be looking for the extraordinary moments of saying, God, is there someone that you want me to be speaking to today? We don't always see the ordinary things. Let me just go back to that one. We don't always see those ordinary moments. And we sometimes we get afraid about stepping into those moments to say, hey, I'm a Christian, can I pray for you? I kind of have a little bit of an easier line. I just say, hey, I'm a pastor of a church. It's my job to pray, and I'll get in trouble if I don't. I get away with that. Some of you are a bit tricky, but you say, but I'm a Christian, okay? Do you mind if I pray for you? What is the worst that's going to happen? They say no. Actually, the worst is that they get worse, I guess, but worse. What's the, but at least, if nothing else, you have shown kindness and love and compassion of a heavenly Father. If nothing else... And that's a pretty good thing. Because it's not always convenient. And sometimes we're afraid of what to say and sometimes fear can get in the way. Fear of unbelief. And do you know, unbelief limits God's plan. How does it take a hold? Well, we get offended with God because he didn't heal and we get disappointed and disillusioned with God because he didn't heal. Offended that he didn't or disappointed that he didn't. I know one of the saddest times. Before we moved to Eastbourne, so it's a fair... A while back, friends of ours had a little baby and born healthy, picked up an infection in hospital. Uh, we were called in to say, please come and pray for him. Uh, within four hours, he died. And you look at situations like that and do you know what? It can stop you praying for the next baby because of disappointment or anger. But in those situations, we need to still to choose to trust that God knows what he's doing and how he's doing it. We need to deal with that disappointment. We need to check our heart. And we need to celebrate everything. Everything. 
because we can overanalyze. We get a little bit suspicious, get a little bit cynical, get a bit skeptical. Well, I came in and my eyesight or my pain or the intensity of backache was like kind of to level 10. Where is it now? It's a level 8. And we go, it's only a level 8. It's not a healing, is it? We go, no, they came in a level 10 and they've gone out a level 8. That is good news. Or someone can see a little bit better than when they came in. Or someone feels a little bit more happy or a bit more joy-filled or a bit more comforted or a little bit more free. That's good news. We should learn to celebrate that rather than go get analytical about it. Go, well, come back to me when I know where you've been fully healed. And come back in six years' time when then we can totally trust that that healing has taken place. We could celebrate. God, I don't want to get cynical. I don't want to be sceptical. I don't want to lose the joy. And do you know what sometimes can happen? We can get angry and frustrated that God heals someone who hasn't healed you or your family member. Why didn't it, 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 and we stop the celebration. We need to check our heart. So let's get involved in the ordinary stuff. Let's climb over the barriers that stop us getting, barriers that we've got in the way. Uh, sometimes Jesus intentionally went to find people. And the key, <laughs> just being prompted by the Father. Right at the end of that story, it just says, my Father is working, so I'm working. I can only do what I see my father doing. It's the father. How do we know what the father wants? We need to spend time with the father. We need to hear him. We need to learn to listen. Because God might just want you to do something which is extraordinary, which points people back to the father. Do the ordinary and do be open for the extraordinary. And we can't be doing the extraordinary unless we're listening to the voice of the father. And that's what we need to do. Because it's the Father. It's the Father who heals. It's the Father who removes the pain. It's the Father who relieves the heartache. It's the Father who restores possibilities. It's the Father who resuscitates faith. And it's the Father, our Father, who we pray for his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. It's a sign of the kingdom. Don't you want to see more of the kingdom? Not yet. Now. I want to see more crutches and wheelchairs in backs of lorries. I want to see lives being touched, lives transformed, kingdom of God coming. So we just get a taste, a glimpse of the good news of Jesus. Can we stand together? I'm aware that I'm eight minutes, 13 seconds over time. You can have that for free, okay? <laughs> okay, let's just deal with some of this. Uh, just as the band are coming up, hard-heartedness, cynicism, skepticism, unbelief, doubt. If you know that's you, why don't you humbly come before God now? And repent. Say sorry. God, I'm sorry that at times I've been disappointed. Sorry that I've been disappointed in you. I'm sorry at times I've been angry with you. That you haven't done what I hoped you would do. Father, please come and deal with that now.
for the pain that that has caused me for a long time. Where I've seen loved ones die. And I've got angry. I repent of my attitude now. I'm sorry, Lord. I don't want it to become a barrier for you fulfilling your purposes in this world. I don't want to get in the way of people meeting Jesus. Remove that heartache, remove that pain, remove that disappointment, I pray. pray for some healing now. God, we ask you for your kingdom to come right now. If you've got a bit of your body that needs a bit of repair, why don't you place your hand upon that bit of the body? Obviously, if it's awkward or inappropriate, don't just pretend. Or if you're near someone that you know has got a bit of an issue, again, if only appropriately do it, why don't we pray for God to come now? We reach out to him. God, you're the one who heals. Our Father in heaven, our dad without limits. There's nothing that limits you. What earthly father, if the son asks for a scorpion, would give him a, a stone or a snake? Or would give him a snake instead of bread? Your heavenly dad. You're a heavenly dad without any limits or without any earthly restrictions or limitations. So we come to you now and we ask you, please, Father, come and heal. We come and touch people's lives right now. Uh, Where there's irregular heartbeats, I pray that you come and regularize those heartbeats right now in the name of Jesus. Where those valves are not opening, I pray now in the name of Jesus that you come and, and you open those valves. I pray for inner ear situations right now in the name of Jesus that you would unlock now. Now. You would just unplug. Almost like a a cork coming out of a bottle now in the name of Jesus. I pray that you come and do that. Issues with diaphragms and breathing restrictions, the pain that can't deeply breathe because it actually hurts. I pray now for increased capacity in your lungs. Even for sprained ankles now, Jesus. Almost when we come to sprained ankles, we kind of feel, well, it's not that major. But when you've got a sprained ankle, it's very painful. And so, Lord, I want to pray for any issues around that surrounding ankles right now, that you would come and you would heal. Jesus, come and take away pain now. We're we're coming to you, Lord. We're just coming to you. We're asking you for these things. Lord, I want to pray for some of the big stuff. For the Parkinson's and the Hodgkin's. God, we pray that your power would come now. Come and touch wherever we are right now. In Jesus' name. Whatever it is, whatever ailment, whatever issue, whatever was diagnosed two days ago, 
whatever the results that you're waiting to hear back from now in the name of Jesus we pray lady who's had successive miscarriages and unable to conceive and hold and carry a baby full term. Jesus, we pray now. Bring about life. Father, we simply ask you to come and do what you want to do. Father in heaven.